Holler. Rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Is the first thing I want to say this week. He was a legend in comedy. He completely paved his own lane. His Burt Reynolds and his shit on SNL is fucking iconic. And he was somebody that, regardless of if it bombed in the room, he would still do the bit because he knew it was funny. And he stuck to that, regardless of whether or not the audience thought it was funny that night. Because at home, I thought it was funny. Right. So I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, rest in peace. Somebody said that I should start. My podcasts were a little bit too dark, so I'm trying to start on a little bit of a lighter note. Goodbye, Norm. Um, a motherfucker hid, hid the fact that he had cancer from his family and friends for nine years and then just dipped out. What a fucking legend, dude. That is... I would be fucking pissed if I was his wife or some shit. But holy fuck, that is me. Like, nah, like... I doubt it was like a humble thing. It was probably like a spiteful thing, right? That's what I like to... I like to see the good in people, right? So I was told that I should try to do... uh, Maybe a podcast that's... You know, not as focused on, which I get, yeah, most, a lot of my podcasts have kind of been focused a little bit on politics because that has just been at the center of attention for the last, like, two years or whatever. Then I'm going to pivot from that a little bit. Not to say that I don't enjoy or we all don't enjoy hearing about how Bill Clinton's a murderer and um, Hillary Clinton's a murderer and they, like, fuck kids on islands and shit like that. I want to talk about some things today that... Well, first off, I want to like give a little back background on me, just a brief overview of why do I think the way that I think, and I can point out some key moments in my life I think shaped my ideology, and then I want to maybe get into some comedy history, something like that. First of all, I want to start out by saying I was molested. I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> I was I'm the youngest of three to two boomer parents and one of them was a narcissist father surprise it was a dad who was a piece of shit but like I knew from a very young age I saw them fighting and I was the youngest my brother was nine years older than me my sister's three years older than me my parents fought for my entire childhood, I was molested when I was four. We adopted my cousin because my dad's sister was like on crack and selling him and would like uh, prostitute herself and then sometimes him as well. This six year old child um, for drugs and he got left on the corner of a street one night and we were at a softball tournament in Panama City and found out that he was just alone on the corner the side of the road and so we came picked him up and we adopted him i was four at the time he was six uh he moved into my he was a problem kid for sure as being probably molested sold like sex slaved out by your mother for drugs would do to you and so like he you know didn't turn out the best he was he was always getting in trouble at school that took the attention off of me i just kept to myself my brother kind of had an interest in 
film and comedy and so that i would we would watch movies together like i watched pulp fiction maybe when i was seven for the first time and uh silence with the lambs when i was five and children of the corn when i was six but i was never and i lost my innocence really young but I gained um, perception. I gained reality. I gained the ability to see things for as they are and kind of not put any of that stuff or anything else on myself. I guess it inadvertently kind of affected my uh, self-esteem, which in psychology it says like if you don't have parents that uh, pay attention to you, which my dad wasn't ever like, like, you know, he hit me in the belt in the with a belt in the back a couple times for shit he made up while he was drunk, but he wasn't ever like super physically abusive with me and he never got physical like too bad. He was always just saying the absolute worst things possible every single night and then forgetting about it and then yelling at you because you didn't want to watch TV with him the next day, you know? Um, How many of us can share that experience? Raise your hand. Thank you. Y'all can sit down. Thank you. So that was like childhood. Basically, my grandparents kind of raised me and I was being called a fag at that point. But I was also being raised by my grandparents. So I hated fags. So that gave me an interesting internalized perspective. But growing up, kind of knowing, you know, I was a, I was, I got roasted when I was four saying, you know, the best part of me ran down my mom's leg. And I was like, that is a good ass roast, dad. So I knew how to fire back some quick ones, you know what I mean? So, you know, fifth grade, some fucking fag, some, or I mean, I guess I was a faggot, but some fucking douche. Can you be a douche at 10 years old? Yeah, 100, 10 year old, 10 year olds are the only douches. Let's be real. Fuck 10 year old. I will fight. How many 10 year olds do you think you could fight? I, I would say, I, I think I could probably fight. I could probably fight five, ten year, five or six, ten year olds, but like, you can't really. I mean, I don't know. One good bop to the back, one good hammer, right to the back of the fucking head, that might do them in. I don't know. It, it would have to depend on how many rounds I could like bop, bop, bop. I'd have to make one of those TikToks to see how many fucking ten year old punches I can get in. Um, no, I could fuck up a lot of ten year olds. Never mind. Fuck that. Fuck that. I would. I would. All of fifth grade, I will fuck them up. Just sit, I don't even, not even a school shooter except the guns I'm carrying on these motherfuckers. Cuckoosh, Now fuck all the 10 year olds up in the face. Anyways, where was I? So yeah, when a 10 year old's coming, you know, you got to bob and weave. They're like, oh, you're a faggot. I bet you kiss boys. And I'm like... Oh, yeah, your daddy overdosed because you were a mistake and he never wanted you anyway. You know what I mean? You got to hit him in the fucking chest. So I was I've been doing that my whole life. You got to survive out here, playboy. You know, Bob and weave, Bob and weave. You hit him with that motherfucking uppercut. And then you laugh and you're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And they're like, can I punch him? That hurt. It was funny, but like it hurt, though, too. So that's like the lane you gotta, um, you kind of like live in, you know what I mean? And that's why you always like, you come up with like little zingers, little one-liners and punch back and people laugh, which brings me to, which brings me to a good, uh, a his- history lesson. We'll have a bit on here called history lesson. Cause I, I love history and I think it's super important and also just, you know, 
it unpacks how we ended up in this fucked position that we're in right now. Although we are living in probably the best time of all humanity, um, you know, the most peace and blah, 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 blah. Uh, there's just some maybe internalized white guilt about uh, being at the top top spot and then there are still people who, like can't get enough. Um, but that's neither here nor there. This brings me to a point of I want to talk about what kind of where I've kind of figured my role is in this whole grand scheme of things. Like if you think of like what type of people there are throughout history right you have your alexander the great you have your genghis khans conquerors sociopaths those are the ceos today bill gates you know those type of people just in a different kind of different way not as much brawn more like intel like more scheming which all of them schemed and then you have like the the kings and like the royals who are like rich for no reason they don't really know what they're doing they just kind of like get you know disgusting and then you have People that are working, but they're all, and everybody kind of hates each other. You have, like, kind of roles. There's, you know, the, you know, the Asians. They're good at math. That, <laughs> 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 like, makes it a, makes it a race thing. Um, but what I'm, but what more specifically I'm talking about is, like, um, I feel like I align with comedy. And the history of comedy kind of goes back to, like, the jester, and the jester is a Anglo-Norman term. It came from an Anglo-Norman term, jestor, which meant storyteller. And they, there was, there was like two different kinds, or in history, like with the the royal family or the king specifically, a king or queen, would have them as entertainment. And you know, they were either referred to as like you were either a licensed fool or a natural fool. And natural fools were like, you know, midgets and people with hunchbacks and like, you know, the, you know, the lady with a full eyebrow or whatever that you see at a circus that's like a snake. But it's really just like some 12 year old getting paid 10 bucks to stick her head in a box with this like pastry snake. Uh, Those things were always so crazy. But that kind of idea and, you know, they basically we're just there to entertain the court whenever the court wanted at any time they would you know either by singing acrobatics storytelling some were like if there was a war they were sent out and tasked with entertaining the troops they were basically like comedy cheerleaders and that they were heavily prized for the for their propensity to naturally speak the truth which you know, I'm not going to say is a good or a bad thing. There's a line you kind of got to walk there. And I'm going to say I align with that. I know that there was this one. There was this one jester for King Henry Eighth. I think his name was William Sumner or Summer or something like that. And he was basically, uh, he had quick wit. He was a master of satire. And he provided wise counsel to the king a lot of the times. And he was highly valued by the king. And uh, there was this one story where Summers joked about Henry's children being bastards. Which, I mean, pfft, LOL. Me, can I say that, first of all? And Henry ended up wanting to kill Summer. But, like, the jester position was so respected 
that he wouldn't actually do anything. He respect it was like hold it in such a high regard at that at that point. Not always and not by all kings for sure. Some jesters were killed for their jokes, but it was like King Henry actually arranged for Summer to be taken care of completely once King Henry died, and he was. But I mean, you know, there uh I think there was if I can remember this correctly, there was one jester uh, I think it was like in of France, the King of France or something, and he was ordered to be executed for making fun of the Queen. Um, and but due to his good service, like the King told told him that he could choose the manner in which he was executed, and the jester replied, "Let me see if I can remember, good sire, for Saint." For St. Nick's sake, patrons of insanity, I choose to die of old age. Which the king thought was funny, so he only banished the jester. And most of the time, the line between being killed and not was whether or not it was funny. Which is a, what a lot of people... Um, kind of like that xbox live kind of culture you know what i mean where it's just like you say like you're an edgelord you just say heinous shit which i guess you can kind of put me in that category but um i dare you to question me on any of the topics that i have jokes about and i guarantee i can read circles around you about the history and the the knowledge for um why or why not something um is offensive or funny but that's just because most people are ignorant to a lot of things most people are people like being in groups we'll get back to this point but i don't want to focus too much on negative shit we'll get back like we'll get back to kind of like some more positive stuff so i kind of that aligns with me like that kind of idea of the jester in society where it's kind of like you are a critic you're supposed to keep people around you humble um, keep people almost you got to keep people just thinking nobody, you know, nobody's shit ever too good. We're like the difference between all of us is that we were born from somebody else's vagina. You know what I mean? We were just born this, this here I am. And a lot of, a lot of the fucking Royal families and everything, the Habsburgs, which came from Germany, they married into all the Royal families in Europe and all just committed incest. And that's why, Ooh, and this can kind of get into even some Russian history a little bit. So the, Ooh, we could talk about one of my favorite motherfuckers in history, Rasputin with this segue. What? Hold on. Watch this. I'll craft this segue perfectly. Okay. So. Habsburgs marry into royal families across Europe over a couple centuries. They're all the same person. They're all basically German. Even the British royal family is descendants of them. And they changed their name from Windsor or whatever the fuck it is. Because it was like, Gaffelstolfenheim! Something very German. And they were like, we're in England now. We got to like sound kind of English. And they said, Windsor. Uh, I think Queen Victoria was a big proponent of it. Or she just like fucking horses or something like that i don't know looking to check, fact check me on that but they all fucking committed incest so much because they only wanted to marry other royal royal family people so nobody could get any other slice of the pie sound familiar let me just say something oh and then the romanovs that was the last 
czar of Russia before Lenin, the revolution, all of that, his kid had uh, like hyperglycemia or something like that, where your blood is really thin because of all the incest. It's like it like happens naturally. And I think he was like married to his first cut or had sex with his. I don't you know, they it was all the same thing. Same shit going on now. We talked about it last week. I don't got to replay it for you. I don't got to replay it. So the czar invited Rasputin over this homeless, fucking disgusting, like had, there was like stories that he would have like food decaying in his beard, disgusting piece of shit. But he was like known as like a mystic, like a a wizard. Sounds like a lot of the religious people around here. And he was like, I can cure anything. But apparently he did end up doing some shit, like some potions and shit for the czar's son. And the czar's son did get better. So the czar was like, oh my God, I need you. And he was like in his circle. Literally didn't know Rasputin was fucking his wife because he had a fucking donkey dick, a horse cock. Rasputin was the first, I'm about to make out an incredible transition here in a second, was the first hung dude no, like that got notoriety for his horse dick. So much so that once um, the monarchy collapsed and the the royal family was uh, assassinated in like Siberia or whatever, the people that were the you know the Marxists whatever the Leninites the the stalagmites and stalactites whenever they found Rasputin they pickled his dick because it was so famous for being huge. I'm just saying. I don't want to be that one. I don't want to be the girl that's going to say it. I don't give a fuck what's decaying in your beard. If you hung like Rasputin, I, you know what? We don't got to go. I, this is a positive episode, so never mind. If you hung like Rasputin, you can get it. Fuck. Fuck it. Fuck your dirty ass beard. but that brings me to the greatest transition of all time the other last week i'm at a bar enjoying my double uh rumple chilled please and two two separate men two count them separate men came up to me one was like in passing and one came and bought me a drink, which, you know, in this town, it's don't, it's not like that. And plus I don't, I'm not hanging at fag bars. Fuck faggot. I'm just kidding. I'll have an episode where I talk about uh, my appreciation for the gay community because I really do have a lot of love there. And I think that a lot of people undermine it. Um, but they just don't understand the struggle because nobody ever tries to see anything from anybody else's position. Anyways, this guy came up to me. He said, has anybody ever told you you look like Ron Jeremy? For those of you who don't know, I'm going to give you a second to pull your Google out and look this up. Say, hey, Siri, who the fuck is Ron Jeremy? Ron Jeremy was a porn star in the 70s with a huge cock. Huge dick, but he looked like he was a pizza delivery guy in New York 
that you know it's kind of like uber eats now like sometimes you get your food sometimes they just take it and eat it it was that but if he was doing more of the eating but just a run-of-the-mill guy not like super ugly back then but just not you know so at first my initial reaction is like oh my god thank you my my dick is big how did you know but then I've remembered Ron Jeremy from when I first saw him, which was in 2007 when he was on a reality TV show on VH1 called uh, like Celebrity Cuck Fest or something like that. Because it had fucking like all the deal. It, all, like, it had Ron Jeremy on it. No celebrities. What the fuck? And he looked like the most rapey um garbage truck driver type trash bag L actual trash like like if you i say my body shaped like a trash bag if you opened up the trash bag that was my body it would be filled with ron jeremy so that's when i immediately was like what the fuck is that supposed to mean you trick ass bitch ron jeremy that big forehead never used lotion or shampoo or conditioner in his goddamn life on Jeremy. Motherfucking uh, shave his knuckles for a goddamn beard implant, transplant, whatever, Ron Jeremy. Fuck you, you greedy, fuck you stupid ass bitch. He was like, no, no, no. The 70s one. I'm like, trust me, look, look up 70s Ron Jeremy and then look up 2007 Ron Jeremy and tell me how would you feel see everybody likes to think i'm crazy or i'm dramatic which i am that's fun that's part of life like it's this is all a joke in a game so why not play the characters up like nobody really gives a fuck at the end of the day anyways if you don't if you you would have swung i should have but it not not one time that night sweetie not just one time And I am disgusted. Disgusted. Bitch, disgusting. But my cock is big. I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 fine. It's not like, it's not, you know, 13 inches. But it's, you know, it's, you know, better than most of the dudes who've tried ever tried to fight me. That's for damn sure. But... Regardless of that point, it was, uh, you know, we, we chit-chatted a little bit. I told him that he looked like um, Bob Saget. Joey was the uglier white guy. It was like if Bob Saget and Joey somehow got shot in the face. Like, that's what he kind of looked like. And it was fine, you know. He bought me another double rumple chill. Thank you very much. And you can get out of my face. And if I ever see you around in town again... And especially if you're with your wife and kids, I will bury you, kid. Anyway, he was like, you know, he watched porn in the 70s, I guess. So that old. What a disgusting fuck. Don't. What? That's neither here nor there, Victor. Bite your tongue. We're trying to be positive today, right? Positivity. Which there are things to be positive about. And I, I do think I like to focus on the negative because it's a lot easier easier to punch up that way it's a lot easier to kind of joke about the bullshit everybody because everybody kind of 
get stressed and weighed down by a lot of that shit. And so if it's like, I can just kind of fly in and be like, with my middle fingers up, like, all of you are fucking retarded. This is fucking stupid. It's a game. You know, then it maybe like lighten some people's day, but who knows? And I don't really care. Cause I, you know what? You want to hurt me? Go ahead. If it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you, but I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I, li I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. To all you motherfuckers out there. And if you don't know what that quote's from, I suggest you do your research. It's from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Amazing movie. Something my brother showed me a long time ago. Which had a lot of influence on... Just movies in general is what I'm saying. Had a lot of influence on my view of things and also my love for art art in the sense of anything humans do that doesn't have isn't you know creating value for their like fan it could be you know essentially like making money for you but when you're creative you're creating things that don't exist yet you know that's what i think of like all, like that hasn't existed yet you're creating new things just for the art of it so that's with music that's with movies that's with painting that's with a lot of things people can make art out of anything that's cre a creative medium and i love people that are um able to do that i'm not super creative i'm cr i'm creative in my use of the English language, I believe, but I'm not like creative in where I can envision uh, or know how to paint really well or kind of do something. I can modify patterns that I see, but I, I mean, I guess that's essentially what everything is, right? Who knows? I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Why does anybody listen? I'm an idiot. Nobody take me serious. Unless I'm being serious. Which I think there is a slight seriousness and a slight whimsy. Which that whim whimsy might be like my favorite thing to experience on this planet. Uh, we recently had the Met Gala, which gay... My favorite theme the Met Gala has ever put on, not based on the fashion, just based on what I think could have been done with the theme, is camp. Camp is my favorite thing, and I love campiness. If you can camp, ham it up and camp it up, I think you, you're just doing more. You're just kind of like spitting in the face of like what, the seriousness of life because it should not be serious. People should not, I, there's, I understand like the formality to some things, but I guess that's what the gay community kind of showed me. I kind of, you know, I 
started like experiencing drag in probably like 2007 and i was at first you know raised by my grandparents so a lot of like what the fuck is this like all you tranny bitches and like very much that energy and then you realize like these people the pe all the people that i've seen do drag or um that are kind of in that capacity especially in the gay community are all the funniest people they take life the least serious and their literal profession is going around just ha like making people's nights be fun and they take it very very seriously and i appreciate that a lot and that's something that i don't think i would have been able to understand if i kind of didn't face those internalized homophobic fears not saying that i'm the fact that I felt any sort of attraction to uh, men, because I've always loved women, and I think, you know, women women are like, let's be real, they're the they're it. That's it. That's the top. That's the pro. That's you know, number one. You know, T bone steak, and then men are kind of like, you know, you get a Caesar salad. I like Caesar salads. I also really fucking love T bone steaks. And I there was a there was a, a period where it was like I only like red meat like like I'm supposed to only like T bones, I can have a Caesar salad every now and again, or ooh let's swap out it's not a Caesar salad y'all ain't doing good shit for nobody first of all, y'all are like that fucking like uh they have it at Cheddar's like that fucking brownie ice cream brownie thing, that shit is super good but it's also like you eat. A piece of it and you're like this is not meant for human bodies and that was kind of my internalized struggle with it, it was like this is not meant for me or human bodies <laughs> but after I kind of just got into it and I'm a super curious person it's my favorite thing about people people that are curious people that um, are inquisitive um, they like to laugh or they also or they have a vision and they just stick to it. So people that are self-actualized, people that are their character, I love that because they kind of it kind of lets me in that they know that this is all kind of a game and it's theater. That's one thing that the gay community taught me as well is that you can you literally like with drag, it seems a little bit extreme because it's like it comes from the origins of actually King Henry VIII as well, speaking of him earlier. Um, he outlawed so in Shakespeare times Shakespearean plays were only done by men so men had to play the female characters and everything it was done like that for hundreds of years King Henry VIII outlawed men men as women or men dressing as women on stage or something like that so all these actors that was their profession for a long time moved to doing that in like local pubs and bars for entertainment that's kind of where the root of drag started and it wasn't a gay or straight thing although i'm sure a lot of them probably were gay but also ooh, this is i forgot about this too about the jester thing earlier jester women and men jesters were always viewed the same it didn't matter and it was one of the very few areas where that what there was an equality between the sexes which i think is really it just says something i don't know cool kind of about not cool because i guess our psychology is never really cool because we're all just fucking pieces of shit but how like society viewed those types of people that kind of didn't that kind of took the mask off the 
charade of it all kind of so highly that man or woman could be successful or partake in that role and it not be, you know, the woman doesn't get to live as good as the man jester because it's all the jester. So that's kind of what I think my role is in this world. Or that's the that's that's the fucking bitch I'm throwing my hat in with. Because fuck all this other... I'm not doing... I can't lie to myself and say... It. I mean, I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could be the worker bee and just work at a corporate kind of um, job. And I, I, I think everybody likes to work and everybody likes to complete tasks. And people want something to do with their time. Because all you're trying to do throughout your day is figure out how to get rid of the time. How are you getting rid of the time so you don't have to sit there and think about how shitty everything is and the fact that we're all dying. But positivity, right? I just like artists, you know? I just love art. Even though they're usually all depraved drug addicts now, kind of have to be. But the but those are the those are the people who kind of like see the structure of like you're supposed to do this and get a job and start a family and pray to God and blah 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 and they're kind of like I don't really like that I'm gonna figure it out over here and paint or fucking make music anything like that I just have so much appreciation I have even I have appreciation for literally the nice interactions you have with a gas station worker chit chat those are the things that i love like little like little connections with all of the real all of the people that you live inhabit this planet with i think that everybody has a story i don't necessarily blame anybody for the way that they think or what or how they view the world they obviously were um either not set up for the ability to you know like me inquire and ask why or it wasn't in their wheelhouse or their family was fucked up or they just grew up differently. And that's what people need to realize is that it, it just gets so blown out of proportion because people just want to be a part of something and against something so bad. It comes back to that tribalism so bad. They want to be right and other people want to be wrong. And it's, but I think at the end of it, like when we get, when I talk a lot about politics and it's kind of always kind of in, in, this podcast probably isn't as funny as the other ones, and I apologize, but I'll I'll go back to shitting on the American government here shortly. But I do feel like the, especially growing up in the South, the day-to-day interactions you have with people, me knowing goddamn well that they're like Trump supporters and like they for sure were at the Capitol or whatever. I mean, I'm also not, you know, black presenting, but I'm not the most masculine man. Or I don't have like a, you know, I could be tan, but that's, it doesn't, you know what I mean? So it's maybe like that isn't there, that aspect of like racism. But politics never comes up in conversation. No one is ever talking about that in their actual day-to-day lives, exchanges with the people and their community. Sometimes I'm sure it does for sure happen, but it's like, if I'm just like getting a water, it's like, hey, how are you? How are you? Oh my God. Like you're working at a gas station. I'm, you know it sucks for both of us it sucks for everybody in this gas station right now everybody in here is like god look at us in here again fuck i gotta buy another pack of cigarettes everybody's just kind of like damn like damn it here we are and i think that i do take i get so much love from just people just the normal person going throughout their day um and have such a a thirst for 
why people tick, why people think the way that they think, and why why are we why do we have to do things this way? And I'll always try to get to the bottom of it, um, or for is at least as much as I can give a fuck about it, because like you, everything is kind of the same once you you know you kind of realize oh religion's bullshit, oh the government's bull, oh money is bullshit, oh our whole class dynamic in society is all bullshit. It's like you kind of don't gotta do too much research, but yeah, that's just. Maybe this was a little bit more positive. I'm not talking about my favorite day of the year. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. The imperialist nation of the island of Japan deliberately attacked our American base in Pearl Harbor. Was that a good FDR? <laughs> Give me some fucking, uh, for next week, I'm going to try to do some podcasts upcoming this week with, uh, some different people. So we can, we'll have some, at least variety in, in how this is going to go or different conversations instead of me just trying to formulate a coherent thought for 20 minutes and not doing that successfully. And then I want, I want y'all to send me some, send me some things that you might want to know my opinion on or send me a movie monologue that you want me to recite and I will do it to a T. Hmm, that is a tasty burger. Say what one more goddamn time. You know, anything like that. I'm with, I'm with that. But yeah, besides that, hopefully this wasn't too boring. I know it was probably not as funny. Um, and it kind of was, like all of my podcasts, all over the place. But I wanted to focus because it was a critique of mine that it was a little too dark last week. So I thought maybe this week get into, uh, you know, a little bit of the history of comedy and some of the things that I enjoy about being alive, the things that may actually make being alive enjoyable, you know, like sunsets and nice dinners with your family, things like that, making new memories, that's the best one you could ever do, anything that you can do that's new for you, experience new things, what, what, what is it, you, better to ask for forgiveness than permission, just shoot a cop in the face, bye.